Hello, welcome to Organising to Win, the trade union organising podcast from Unison Northwest. They want to take care of NHS badges, off us, the title, off us. Well, we don't want that. We want work for the NHS. Unison members at Wrightington, Wigan and Lee NHS Trust are celebrating a great victory this month as their employers scrap damaging plans to privatise 900 jobs, including cleaners, porters and catering staff at the hospital, after a long campaign which included nine days of industrial action. Those 900 staff are now going to stay in the National Health Service, and I spoke to some of the striking workers on the picket lines in early June to ask why they decided to take action. Why, why do they want to privatise us? The badges nurse, NHS. We're going to have new badges, what's not going to have NHS on them, you know. So why, why do all this if it's not going to be... It's all about money. It's all about yeah, money. Yes. And the hospital's actually got a surplus at the moment. I understand of 8.4 million, is that right? Yes, yes. There's yeah. suddenly this 8.2 million, I think, 8.2, it, sorry. suddenly appeared, yeah. But what it needs is get some of, rid of some of the higher management, what's having hundreds and thousands of pounds a year yeah. to save money rather than to, to take the jobs off us. Central government needs to give more funding. It should be more from the government itself. But if they want to keep the NHS alive, it's what we all want, then it needs money. That's what it's all about. It needs money, so attack central government, not us. So, so for other people working in the NHS who might be, you know, have their services under attack or have sim- be facing similar proposals and are thinking of coming on strike, what would you say to them? You know, what would you say to, to people who maybe haven't been on strike before, but, you know, that's the last option? Do you think it's important to... to, to Stick to together. Yes, yes. Yeah. what you believe in, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We've been left no option. No, we, we didn't want yeah. this. None of us really want this. Even though we might look like we're enjoying ourselves here today, yeah. it's not what we want. No. We'd rather be inside there doing our, our jobs. And if you could yeah, say one it. thing to the chief exec today um, to make him listen, what would you say? Well, the Trust came under increasing pressure to change course from their original plans, but victory certainly didn't come easy. One of the Union Strike Committee members, Billy, told me why workers had stuck together. So, so Billy, why are people out on strike at Wigan today? Uh, all about backdoor privatisation, nothing more, nothing less. I mean, obviously, if they move us into a subsidiary company, it'll be, I don't care what they say, a few years down the line, new contracts, zero hours, less holiday pay, less holidays, and that's basically all they want to do is cut costs. And how has it come to this that we've had to call strike action? Because I know it wasn't your first uh, choice, it wasn't something that you wanted to do. Um, how has it come to this? Well, the trust board won't listen. Uh, I think they've orchestrated this themselves, because I think there is things, avenues that they could have pursued but didn't i.e. like uh, there's an £8 million surplus, we believe, as opposed to a £15 million deficit. Uh, £20 million appeared from nowhere. So they're basically, how can I say, being economical with the truth. Saying that, like I say, they're manipulating figures as well. I mean, over 80% of 900 workers, which we had to get this ballot, 
is different from the 80% of the very few people that sent the staff survey back. So they're manipulating figures. I mean, you can hear that there's a massive amount of public support for you today with the drivers coming past and beeping their horns. And, you know, people care, obviously, so deeply about our health service and keeping it public. Why do you think, as an NHS worker, it's so important to keep these services in the public sector? Uh, well, you get a more loyal workforce. Yeah, they're dedicated, and they really are, and they are, they are loyal. But doing this is, is, is putting a strain on that loyalty. Very big time. If you could have one message for the chief executive here today, what, what would that be? Stop this nonsense and leave us as we are in the NHS. Well, for a long time, victory was far from certain, um, and there was little change that the trust would change course. Staff had received letters informing them that they'd transferred to the new private company on the 1st of August. Uh, and the chief executive, Andrew Foster, was still continuing to support the, the outsourcing plan publicly. But on Friday the 6th of July, uh, Wigan Borough Council agreed uh, a financial deal with the trust, which will mean that WWL Solutions, the private company, uh, would no long, longer need to go ahead and staff would not uh, have their jobs privatised. We were interested to see what the experience of striking workers was after the dispute and uh, John Sharp, one of our organisers, spoke to Mags, one of the striking workers, about her experience of the campaign. Right, my name's Mags. Yeah. My job title is Deep Clean Coordinator. I'm where, off, yeah, I'm, where do you work? I work at the Royal Albert Edward Infirmary for Rattington, Wigan and Lee, NH Trust. Right here. I'm over the Deep Clean team. And were you out on the pickets? I was out on the picket line. You I were, you? I was. I went to the Bakers Union Conference. Yeah. I met Jeremy Carbon. <laughs> and how was that? Brilliant. It was yeah. really good. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I went to London and that was brilliant. Yeah. Really enjoyed it. Had you ever done day. anything like that before? In the 70s, but that striking then to striking there was that totally different. In what uh, way? Well, then you could, you could, I worked in a factory and right, we're going on strike, the, he's going on strike, just put your hands up and you'd all walk out. Yeah, yeah. Well, things have changed, haven't Things have there? changed, yeah. hell of a lot. Yeah, things have changed, yeah. So how do you feel, how do you think, how do you feel it's gone? I think it's gone well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, the result was The result was, oh, it was brilliant. Yeah. It was really brilliant, the result. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I'm really pleased. Us, we've won, not really for me, but for your future generations. Yeah. The NA, you know, your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, because it's all then what's coming up into the NHS, eventually. Yeah. yeah. And if it had gone through, there might have been no NHS. Because we was only the first stage, and it was privatisation by the back door. We was only the first stage. Yes. Yeah. They would have gone for others yeah, along the line. Of course. Yeah. When you're saying about future generations, you've got your daughter who's here as well, haven't you? My daughter is a domestic at Rattington Hospital. My eldest daughter is a nurse. Yeah. So. You're all at the hospital, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. My name's Rachel Wills. I work at Rattington Hospital as a domestic. And you were out on the strike as well? Yes. So how does it feel now that you've won then? How does that feel? Really good, yeah, knowing that, that we're going to stay within the NHS. 
there's no, at this moment in time there's not going to be any more privatisation, then yeah, great. Yeah. You must be very proud. I mean, it was one of the, it was just, those picket lines were great. Belting atmosphere. Yeah. I enjoyed it, yeah. I've never been in on a picket line. Never done nothing like that before, no. Well, you see, he's nothing to be scared of now, is there? No, no. And how we, how, we all, how we all come together as well, you know, because it was before you got domestics at Wigan, you were domestics at Wrighton to domestics at Lee, but now it's like we're all one family now. Brilliant. Hi, I'm Paul from Catering. And where do you work? Which which of the sites are you at for? Uh, Wigan. At Wigan, okay. So you were on the strike, yeah? Yeah. And how did you find that? How was it? Um, it was enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, it was great. It was, it was nice to have so much unity with everyone. The spirits were high there. Have you ever, really ever been on strike before, ever Never. anything like that? No. Never. And how does it feel now that it's over, now that you've won? It was overwhelming at first. Yeah. Uh, it took a while to sink in. Um, but yeah, I was proud. Yeah. Proud of the fact that we all stuck together and fought the system and won. Yeah, excellent. Hello, my name's Angela. I'm one of the domestics and I work at the Wigan site. And you were involved in the strike? I was, I was, yes, definitely. How did you find it? Very emotional, very tiring, exciting, exhilarating. It was like the best roller coaster I've ever been on. Right. Have you never, ever been on strike before? Is anything no, like that before? No, never. Right. No. And how do you feel now, now that it's all over and you've won and you've got everything you wanted? Absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Top of the world. Yeah, I feel absolutely fantastic. It, I hope we don't need to, but I'd do it all again. Lovely. Can I, I, sorry, go on, John. Can I just ask why you actually went out? Why did you? Because obviously you would have lost money going out. So why did Be, you do it? Because I felt so strongly about backdoor privatisation, basically. Yeah. That's what I was concerned about. Not for me personally, but for my children, my children's children, the whole country. I need, you know, to, to stay NHS. And you felt that in the public hands. You had to do something. Oh, very much so. Yeah, definitely wanted it to stay in the public hands. That was a number of staff who'd taken action in the campaign to stop privatisation of NHS jobs in Wigan, Wrightington and Lee. And I was speaking to Unison organisers Paddy Clasby and John Sharp about their victory earlier this month. Last month in June marked the 150th anniversary of the Trades Union Congress, as well as Unison's 25th anniversary. I spoke to TUC Regional Secretary Lynn Collins and Deputy General Secretary Paul Novak about the significance of the 150th anniversary and how the TUC is celebrating it. Well, it's hugely significant for the North West because, as I keep telling my comrades down south, trade unionism was born here in the North West, here in the Mechanics Institute in Manchester on the 2nd of June, 1868. Those 34 men met for the first time. And the the reason they met, um, I think, is still one of those reasons that's really valid today because prior to that first meeting, there'd been a range of industrial actions, union disputes taking place around the country, many of them around Manchester but not solely around Manchester and while unions had kind of risen up and fought each of those individual battles the calling of that first meeting was an acknowledgement that you don't just organise when there's a fight you need to organise in between the fights so that when the fight happens you've got the strength to take on the fight so that was the rationale for the first meeting of the TUC the first item on the agenda was trade unions and absolute necessity and they still are aren't they 
Yeah, absolutely. So how how is the TUC um, kind of marking the anniversary in the Northwest? What's planned? Well, there's lots planned nationally, um, and some of those national moments will happen here in the Northwest, obviously. Um, so it ranges from the Poet Laureate is writing a poem about trade unions for us. Uh, we're going to have some artwork produced. We've got a reception at Parliament. So all the great and the good stuff's going on. But more importantly, what we've done here in the Northwest and said, this can't just be about the past. Although we need to take some inspiration from that. It can't just be about the present. Although we've got so much going on at the moment, we need to be, you know, tackling everything that's happening at the moment. But it's got to be about the future. So our focus really has been on thinking of things that we can do that build the movement for the future. And that's why in January we launched 150 organisers as our kind of regional premier project for the year uh, we've signed and recruited almost 150 people so far to that program we had a launch convention in january and throughout the year we'll be offering training support briefings to the organizers who are on that program so that we can look at how we can tangibly tangibly build strength in their workplaces over the course of a year and by kind of signing people up at the start of the year working with them throughout the year and checking in with them at the end of the year we could maybe get an actual picture of what we can do if we put our efforts into building strength in workplaces. And what do you think are the, are the main challenges that will face those organisers in the next chapter of the TUC's history? What What do you think the TUC, what lies in store for the TUC over the next, you know, 150 years or at least the next few years? Yes, well, we've got some of the rep- most repressive anti-trade union legislation in Europe and that's really starting to kick in on things like facility time in the workplace. So perhaps we'll be going back to the days where union organisers had to do more in their own time, had to think about new and different ways of doing it. Um, We'll have to be innovative in the way in which we organise. We don't have mass meetings on car parks anymore. When we've got a pay dispute, we're using digital balloting now. Um, And we, I think, need to think about how we adapt. I think one of the um, welcome side effects of the anti-trade union legislation is that unions are organising better and smarter. You only have to look at the UCU dispute that's going on at the moment to see the turnout levels and the votes that they were getting in ballots we have to organize more now to meet the requirements of the legislation so a welcome side effect is we are getting better organized and what does organizing mean to you in terms of what 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 do you define as organizing and why is it so important for trade unions today Well, uh, you know, organising didn't start at any particular point in history. It's been part of our movement since way back in the 1880s when women were organising in in paper mills and weavers were organising around this area in Manchester. Um, There isn't any point at which we discovered it. I think it's an inbuilt intrinsic belief in social justice and a belief that people working collectively can do something to adjust the balance of power in a workplace and a good organiser has those things just in their DNA. A better organiser recognises them and an even better organiser fills some of the other gaps as well so you know we'll work with their union to um, fine-tune those skills to upskill themselves and to bring others with them. Um, You know we've had organising academies, we've had organising training programmes I think organising is what trade unions are and always have been. The trick is getting cleverer and better at it. And finally, um, for you personally, what over that 150-year proud history of the Trade Unions Congress has been its, its most significant achievements? 
Ooh, that's a tough question to finish with, isn't it? Um, I, I think the fact that we now recognise the role of women uh, as leaders in our movement. So I started my job on the 1st of January 2013, which was the same day as Frances O'Grady was appointed as the first woman general secretary of a trade union. I think the trade union movement is ahead of the game in terms of gender equality. They're not perfect but I think they're ahead of some of our big corporate organisations, some of our public services. I think we acknowledge and recognise the role of women. And I think, you know, particularly this year, one of the things I'll be harping on about for the entire year is the role of some of the fantastic women that we've had in the movement who've organised in circumstances we can hardly imagine. You know, women like Betty Tebbs, who at the age of 14 organised a strike in a paper mill for equal pay. You know, at the age of 14, I don't think I could organise my bag you know let alone a strike uh, so we'll be celebrating them so I think perhaps the fact that we're ahead of the game and we're, we're going to do more for women TC Deputy General Secretary Paul Novak well, there are going to be lots of things that we're doing this year to mark our 150th anniversary. So uh, in June, we'll have an event up in Manchester to mark the actual anniversary itself. Uh, the Speaker of the House of Commons will be hosting a reception to mark the contribution of the TUC and the wider trade union movement to the civic life of, of this country. Lots of events and things like that. But you know, the most important thing is that we're not just using the anniversary to look back on our history. We're also using it to, to think about trade unions being modern and relevant for the next uh, 150 years. So uh, one of the most exciting things is in June we'll be launching a, a new pilot project to reach out uh, to young workers. One in 16 young workers are organised in a union in the private sector. That's just not good enough. And we want to use the 150th anniversary as an opportunity to reach out to that next generation of union members and activists. And over that, you know, one and a half centuries of, uh, of, trade union, uh, of the Trade Union Congress and of um, the Trade Union Movement, what do you think has been the most, you know, been the most significant achievements? Oh, I mean, where, where, where do you start on that? I mean, it's been 150 years of progressive uh, change, and I don't think you can see any progressive policy in this country that unions haven't in some way or another been uh, responsible for, haven't supported, haven't been at the forefront of campaigning for. So whether it's the very basic things, you know, our bread and butter, about the right to be able to bargain around pay terms and conditions rather than just have whatever the boss handed uh, down to you, or the national minimum wage or legislation to protect uh, women and black workers against discrimination, holiday pay, uh, uh, you know, protections for, for pregnant workers. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. And the good thing about the trade union movements is right throughout our history, we're constantly pushing for change, constantly pushing uh, forward. That's the way that, that it should be. So, of course, the trade union movement of, of today is very different of the trade union movement 150 years ago. Our demands are different, but underpinning it all is a belief that everybody is equal, everybody deserves fair treatment at work, everybody deserves that dignity and respect, and I like to think you know, that will carry on in the work that we take into the future as well. Well, back in March at uh, our organising convention, Skills for Strength, I spoke to Roger McKenzie, Unison's Assistant General Secretary, about what Unison would be doing to celebrate not only the 150th anniversary of the TUC, but also Unison's 25th anniversary. Well, there's lots of anniversaries this year, and we're we're certainly working with the TUC um, on their 150 stories and 150 organisers and all, all all those things, and and we're celebrating clearly our own um, anniversary of 25 years as a as a trade union, um, but. 
in terms of our celebrations, we don't just want to look back and say, we've won this, we've won that, aren't we great? And, you know, just kind of straighten our ties and say, lovely, we've, we've done all these things. What we want to do is to use this as an opportunity to look ahead a little bit. How can we be much more fit for purpose as an organisation? We were set up 25 years ago in an environment where we had for example, one branch for one employer. There's hardly a single branch um, that has one employer. I think in the Northwest region, you have, uh, uh, just by way of an example, um, Manchester local government branch has, what well, I think it's about 470 plus employers that you deal with. Most of those not even recognized with. Mm. Um, so we've got all these workers in all of these workplaces who haven't got access um, to their trade union. Across the whole country, um, we're having to deal with with 170,000 workplaces where we have members in excess of 40,000 um, employers where we've got members. We don't have enough reps. How are we going to do those things that I talked about of building power for working people in workplaces if we physically can't get out to 170,000 workplaces? That's the challenge that we've got. But I want to talk about one other anniversary um, that's coming up um, this year. Um, April the 20th um, was the, um, is, will be the 50th anniversary of what became known as the Rivers of Blood speech um, by Enoch Powell. Um, took place in Birmingham, the speech. Um, Enoch Powell was the um, Member of Parliament for Wolverhampton um, South West. And he predicted all sorts of things were going to happen. He said things like black people are going to hold the whip hand um, over white people. Really insulting, actually, for somebody whose family is a descendant of slaves who had to put up with um, the whip against them to have that man talk about um, whips in that kind of way. Um, he started talking about black people are blocking beds in the NHS um, um, that stop white women um, from being able to give birth um, in hospital. Hospitals. By the way, he used to be the Minister of Health who actually invited people um, from the Caribbean um, and, the, and, and the Asian subcontinent over to work in the National Health Service. And now he's saying things like that. And um, what he did was to raise a level of racism that I think should remind us as trade unionists about the need for standing together about being collective. And one of the things I'm most proud of in terms of my job as Assistant General Secretary of Unison is that name Unison. It means together. And it, it really should remind us that we get nowhere if we allow the racist like Powell to divide us against each other, to divide men in our union against the women in our union divide um, lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgendered against straight in the union and so on. We have to stand together. And unless we do that, then we're not going to get anywhere. So I want to I remind people of that anniversary and also just say as well, of course, the great thing about what happened last year or one of the great things that happened in the general election last year was that Eleanor Smith, former president of Unison, was elected for Wolverhampton Southwest. So it just shows that when we stick together and when we fight and organise against people who try and divide us against each other, we can win. And Eleanor's victory showed us that we can win. A lot more still to be done. Um, 
because there's still a fight within the trade union movement around equality that hasn't fully been won. There's certainly a fight out in communities that hasn't been won. There's fights in our membership about equality that haven't been won. People too susceptible to some of the arguments about it's all immigrants' faults and stuff. You know, we have to stand together if we're going to build a union that's going to really bring about this irreversible and fundamental shift in society in favour of working class people. Well, that's the end of uh, this episode of our podcast, but we'll be back again uh, in a a few weeks' time with more interviews and features. In the meantime, though, please subscribe to us on SoundCloud or iTunes, and if you'd like to access any information and resources relating to this programme or previous programmes or even just listen to previous podcasts, you can check those out on our website at www.unisonnw.org forward slash podcast. Thanks for listening.